This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today, we have Courtney on from Symphony, and our topic is navigating remote work. Then we could probably talk for a couple hours. Uh, Courtney and I were, were laughing about this before the uh, before the show. We could we could take a take a full week uh, and just kind of navigate this. But we're going to try and get get at least some of the high points and talk about uh, some of it um, today during our podcast. So, Courtney, would you do us a favor and introduce yourself and Symphony? Sure, sounds good. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me, William. Super sure. excited to be here. And yes, let's let's talk as much as we can about this uh, interesting and fascinating topic that's evolving around us. Um, as William said, my name is Courtney Panic. I'm the Chief People Officer for Symphony Communications, based out of New York City. And Symphony is a technology company for the financial services industry, where um, our main product is really focused on a workflow and collaboration solution for financial services. So and I've been with the company for about oh, two years. So, oh, cool. um, yeah, it's so you were not, COVID, not too you were, new, but you were a COVID hire. I was a COVID hire. Yes. Wow. July, 2020. In fact, I started at Symphony the same day and was part of the new hire onboarding with our current CEO, Brad Levy. <laughs> so we both were hired during COVID and we both did our, uh, remote on virtual onboarding together. Oh, good gosh. We could talk about that just the, in and of itself. So where, was the company, was Symphony, did they have remote workers prior to the pandemic? Yes. Yes, they did. It was a, more of a hybrid work environment. Right. So not so much changed um, from the company's general approach. Of course, there were some tweaks and more things emphasized when COVID hit. But there, um, the general uh, work environment was uh, a few days in the office, a few days out of the office, and was really dependent on the person in the role. But it was it was fairly flexible. That's cool. So, you know, I'll definitely ask uh, the HR from your perspective. Um, what do we get right and wrong? You know, initially, what do we kind of simple fixes or simple mistakes that we make around remote? Um, I think. One of the things that has really stood out to me, even given here at Symphony, even given that we had a um, a fairly flexible environment prior to COVID, and we continue to have that here, um, is the the people's comfort level with Mm -hmm. such flexibility. So some people like myself, I love to have options. I like being able to have um, discretion over my work schedule, and I try to provide that for my team. But there are um, what I've noticed and we've gotten a lot of feedback from employees is some really would prefer to have much more clarity around when do you want me in the office on what specific days. Um, and that was something that we weren't anticipating. I think our, our general um, approach was people will appreciate the flexibility of, of, of what we're providing them in, in COVID and, and hereafter. Um, but we neglected to realize that maybe some additional clarity or direction was needed for some of our employee segment groups. 
So that was a big learning that we took away at Symphony from this environment around how do we strike a balance of providing enough guidance and framework um, to get people what they need, but also to empower people to let them know that, you know, you you need to do whatever you, you, you should do whatever you need to do, as opposed to us directing um, specifics on your work and timing. Yeah, it's more, uh, it's, and, and it's more outcome-based. It's, it's less, exactly. I can say micromanagement, that sounds like a bad thing. It, I, I guess, and I guess it can be for some, but it, the idea is that, we, that you don't have to actually get into the how the work's done. It's just, here's the work, here's what needs to be done Tuesday, this, you know, now how you do it, <laughs> you know, if you need guidance, great, but if you don't, great. You know, and and again, I think that the, for some employees, not all, but for some employees, that's empowering because they just want to get to the the output. And for some employees, maybe they need more guidance or, and want more guidance. That's cool. Exactly. Uh, but, but there's a freedom there. That that's nice. Um, what do we what do we do with with um, remote employees that maybe are, are struggling, but they they're how do I identify that they're struggling outside of the outcomes? Maybe they're hitting not hitting deadlines. That's kind of obvious. But how do we, you know, it's like in a, in a in a fully officed environment, you can see someone struggling, you know, generally speaking, you can see someone struggling and then you could take them out to lunch. You could do different things. <laughs> There's an intervention. You could do different things. How do you intervene? How do you, how do you do an intervention with someone that you want to keep? that's just going through a bad time uh, for whatever reason, personal or professional, whatever, they're just going through a bad time. How do you do intervention via remote? Yeah, this is incredibly difficult. Um, and we talk about this a lot, actually, uh, with our leaders and managers and even within our own HR team here at Symphony. Um, I, I, the manager's role is so critically important. A manager's role in general is very important in the success of their employees, but in this in particular, because it, it is a balance of getting things done, productivity, and, and also culture. Um, and part of that culture, you know, is are the individuals in your team and that retention of the talent. And so when you don't, when you're not physically with somebody, um, video certainly helps. Um, but outside of actually seeing somebody struggling, it, it does really come down to, it, it's two things. It's one, as a leader, manager, or even colleague, um, is having those relationships the communication over communication, which I think um, uh, that was identified very early in COVID and a lot of articles and podcasts and whatnot around, you know, managers and leaders really embracing that and the importance of over communication. Um, but having those one-on-one -on -one check ins um, with employees, understanding what they're working on, um, and creating that um, opportunity or that line, if you will, to either you or somebody on their team that they're comfortable with sharing if they're not okay. And I, um, even though it's a little hit to the ego, I like to recognize that I may not be that person for everybody right. on my team. Right. Like they may right. not feel comfortable telling me about that they're struggling because they, um, because you know maybe culturally, you know, we, we're a global company. So in some cultures, you, you wouldn't necessarily openly tell your boss that you're, you're struggling with something you would tell a colleague. And so, um, my U.S. team, very different. They tell me everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes too much. Um, so having that um, environment where it's safe. So if it's not me, and I have had this conversation with um, with people, you, you don't have to tell me, 
but do speak with somebody who you feel comfortable with on the team. And then we'll work, uh, we'll find a way to work together to get you, get you what you need. The other piece of it is, and I've also had this conversation many times, is employees also need to speak up um, and raise flags on when they're when things aren't going well um, to the to the extent that they're comfortable, but help the managers and leaders help them. I, I, I you know, myself and any other people manager, we, we can't help fix or solve for something that we don't know is broken or going off track. So it is a two-way uh, conversation and that level of transparency and trust and safety between whether it's you and your manager or you and somebody that can is in the position to help you is really important. So, that, you know, because you've been in HR for a while, you know, the pillars of kind of talent management from recruiting kind of all the way to compensation or learning or whatever, how do you, have you seen remote kind of impact I would say, you know, recruiting or talent acquisition, onboarding, performance, learning, comp, succession planning, like, again, some of those kind of historical pillars of HR, how is kind of the intersection of remote and those pillars? And, you know, have you just seen some, have you seen some of the changes? There definitely have been changes. The thing that I think is an advantage to remote work and hybrid work is that it is flexible. And it can flex to the need of the business, which you know, I, 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 my business hat is on more days than not, right? Everything right. should really stem from what does the business need? And so depending on what the business need is, is um, should then be from that comes how you operate your company and how you apply remote work. And therefore, how do you apply your programs, initiatives and the pillars you know, within HR and, and other elements of the organization. So if I think about how that works for remote working, um, for, you know, from a talent acquisition standpoint, it would go down to what is the business need? Uh, what is our location strategy? And where do we want to find talent? And are we, are we okay with people either being fully remote or in a hybrid environment? Or do we want people in the office five days a week? And we're going to go back to a more um, traditional working model um, and then that really that has an imp- an impact, right, on your workforce planning, on your recruiting strategy. Because if you're okay with people working anywhere in the world, now the world is really your oyster to find talent. But if you want to have a a more defined location strategy, then you may be competing with um, people or companies that have more flexible. If I think about talent development and mm-hmm. talent engagements. Um, I, I've spent most of my career working in tech. Um, and so I've had, um, probably some tools and advantages that maybe some other industries or companies didn't necessarily have at their fingertips had been on video conferencing for more than 10 years. Um, it wasn't new to me in COVID, uh, and a lot of my colleagues who worked in, in tech. So, um, having, you know, on-demand learnings and on-demand trainings or opportunities for virtual meetups, um, is, there's something that you you can apply with the technology that we have here. But I do also think there is a, a huge value in that inner person, person to person relationship and having that um, sitting across from somebody and having a cup of coffee together uh, or being able to have a conversation in person with someone. I just, so Symphony just acquired a company yesterday and 
I have been working with the CEO of this company for months as part of the due diligence process, right. all virtual, all on video. And I just got to shake his hand this morning. Um, and <laughs> there is a, you know, there's just an element to that that cannot and will not be replaced, I don't think, uh, in a virtual world where um, if you can get in front of people, whether it is coming together for quarterly offsites, or if you have uh, a much more uh, a team that's more localized where you can plan a day or two in the office to sit and have lunch together to work on a project, um, that does amplify that experience and engagement and developments to be able to learn a skill sitting next to somebody versus, you know, on, on a TV screen. So it is, um, there are there are pros and cons to both, uh, for sure. But the the company, I think companies have, they should, I, I think that companies should look at a hybrid work environment as something that can flex to what they need and what makes sense for their business. And then HR teams, you know, are flexing in the same way. Right. So this is something that's fascinating that we got here because I've heard a lot of the uh, kind of the executives for people that want the opposite. Uh, everyone in the office all five days, right? So mm -hmm. in fact, I just saw, I read an article this morning about another company that's basically every day. By February, I think it was. Everyone's going to be in the office all five days. All right. Um, and there's really no need to argue whether or not it's a good thing or not. Uh, it's probably by company they have to figure these things out. I get it. Mm -hmm. But the argument that I've heard a lot is this soft skill development. Not just... You know, you know, not just because people want to see people work. There's that for sure, but it's also kind of couched in a, like this is where the interactions are. This is where like you can get a lot through Zoom, but you can't get everything through Zoom. Um, and and specifically couched in and kind of the framed up with with soft skills. This is a way you develop soft skills. Is you're around people, you bounce up, bounce around, you bounce into each other, and you you learn and you make mistakes and this that and the other. Now I don't know how much of that I buy. <laughs> so I'll give you my bias. I'm not sure, but I've heard it more than once. Um, what what's your mm -hmm. take on soft skill development and and remote or not remote, right? Yeah, I do see that there is um, some value. There is value in being with people and that soft skills. Where this really stood out, I'm really glad you brought this up, was um, this summer at Symphony. So we're not we're not a we are a 600 person company, and we're a growth scale company. So we are at the point now where we are starting to pilot um, internship programs globally, right. and we're kind of we're right at that point in our our phase um, of maturity. So we we piloted an internship program this summer in our New York office and um, got some feedback from our interns, a wonderful group, talented individuals, and specifically asked them about what they thought about coming into the office. And we, we have a hybrid work, so they could work from home and they could come into the office. I was very interested to see because this was their first experience in a corporate environment coming from and this is the generation that um had two years from of their university time remote right, right. and the, the, they're almost tired they're almost like not tired but maybe more more apt to be around people <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say burnout or exhausted i'm like ah, i shouldn't use any of those words but you know what i mean they right they, they've been through the bit uh and now they want to actually have some of the human interaction not all 
<laughs> Not all. <laughs> some of the interaction. Right. And but I was also curious to see if they were, you know, they that they didn't see the value in coming into the office. I I, I could have oh, seen wow. those conversations going that way because you know, they've grown up on technology and, you know, always on the phone and the video. And so I was wondering which way the conversation was going to go as far as the feedback of, oh, no, it's fine. We could do everything on video. I've done most things on video versus, you no, know, it's helpful to come in. So the feedback was consistently across our entire uh, intern population that they appreciated and valued the flexibility to work remotely some days of the week, but they learned the most when they were in the office. And when we dug into what did you learn when you were in the office and they pointed out pretty much every person, the soft skills. (laughs) Example, yeah, examples were I really like sitting next to so-and-so and listening to them on calls. I learned a lot about how they framed things. I noticed so-and-so use these techniques to influence others. I didn't realize that you could have the same conversation in two different ways with two different people to drive an out, a, a shared outcome. Wow. So, and that, it, it made me pause because, and reflect, because as I think about my career, that's that's really how I learned as well. If I think about, not the technical part of, you know, HR, how do you calculate a compa ratio? How do you find a great candidate? What's a, how do you build a great program? But, but those soft skills, the influencing skills, leadership, consulting, advising, and I think about where and how I learned them. I sat, I worked in Silicon Valley tech for a, a large part of my career and the early years of my career in HR. And I sat in an open floor plan next to vice presidents and leaders across the HR function and sitting next to them and picking up on those same elements that the interns this past summer noted around listening to people's calls and watching how they interacted with each other and how they engaged, even when they were on a call in a conference room with someone in the the side notes, right? When you're writing the post-it note and sliding it across the table, the the offline notes that, that occur. Um, and as I reflected on that, after I heard their feedback, I was thinking, that's right. That's actually where I learned or started to learn um, my soft skills. And and those things you can certainly read in a book, but they have to be put into practice. Right, right. I remember a uh, hundred years ago, I was selling and I'd stand up during sales calls and it was an open floor, uh, open, open, open environment, no offices, things like that. And I had a bunch of interns around me and I'd stand up and, and after the call, people would come up and ask me questions. Like I didn't know that. I mean, you know, it was just, I was selling, I was doing a bit and, uh, and they'd come up and ask me questions. Hey, why'd you say this? Or why'd you do that? Or what, you know, this, that, and the other. I'm like, <laughs> it was almost like theater. I didn't think of it that way. I was just like, I was, I was, I was running an ad agency and I was selling. And so I was just, I was just doing a bit, but uh, I, I can see that now. Um, yeah. The body is, language, right? Yeah. The body language in, and even in roles in leadership management, definitely in human resources, where you, you pause, you put down your pencil, your pen, you sit back, you're quiet, you actively yeah. listen. Uh-huh. Um, it, it, to your point is, it is, is it, you don't realize it's theatrics. You're doing it, you know, because you're 
that's how you're engaging and maybe a little bit is strategic but once you do it for a while you kind of forget but to this early this next generation coming in they've never seen this before that's how they're learning it so let me ask you about hr how is the remote work world you know, obviously, you know, February, March of 20, it's all of a sudden, okay, well, everyone's going to go home and work from home on Tuesday. Good luck, HR, take care of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> good luck. So, how how has it impacted the way that you look at uh, the role that you do, I mean, in HR in general? It has, uh, it, 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 it was a, a great challenge to have <laughs> as an HR organization. Um the role, it, it didn't really change the way I've looked at the HR role. Um, what it did was solidify the importance of the function because the um, the decisions and the approach that many companies took, and I, I could speak from my experience, I was, I was at two companies during this period. I was about to leave my previous employer and come to Symphony. So I got to see it in both lights. Um what I have have observed was while HR was a leader in a lot of this, so were the executive teams, so were the operations teams, finance. It was definitely a comprehensive leadership effort. And HR's role um, was always, of course, a, a huge player in protecting the company and thinking through some of the things that we're specialists in around laws and medical coverage and 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 so forth. But also the um, being a leader in driving culture and um, having the conversations around. And a lot of once we got through that March time frame into where we, I think the world kind of realized, oh, this isn't a two, three week gig. We're kind of right. in this for a while. Right. It's not going to um, be over by Easter. Got it. It's not. Right. Yeah. Even though we thought. Um, so the the conversation not so much about how do we maintain the culture but how is our culture going to evolve and what does this mean for our company and so um i've been fortunate and i look forward in any any place i work that you know hr is a seat at the table hr is considered you know an executive and has a voice and um it very much solidified that um but it also i think helped to kind of strengthen that glue that hr becomes um, because it does touch the culture, our people, the talent, how we work, how we approach work, all the things that create culture. Um, it really did kind of solidify that in a more comprehensive way across every element of the company. I, I don't know if you saw this, but I, I saw it from my vantage point that a lot of companies through COVID or the pandemic, um, they kind of have a crisis around culture. Like the the definition, maybe if it was, uh, and you've been in the valley for a long time, so if you worked at Twitter, you know, you commuted in, you worked there, and it was you you were there, you know, eighty hours a week or whatever the bit was, and and there was like, like the office in some ways was a surrogate for culture. It wasn't all the culture, obviously. There was a lot of other things, um, but when I saw some companies go through, like, well, if we don't have an office, <laughs> what is our culture? Now they'd never say that publicly of course but mm-hmm. it's i could tell that people were struggling with what is the definition of culture um so what how did you how did you personally how did you confront that and kind of reframe culture is dot 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 for the for the rest of your peers 
Yeah. And, and the office environment does play a role in culture. Right. Um, and I'm sitting in my office right now and we just had a shared lunch together and people came together and that, that is going, that influences the culture. But I've always viewed culture as a living, evolving thing. It's not just one thing. It changes, it evolves. Um, things, you know, such as the people who work at the company, people come and go, leaders come and go, companies are acquired and brought in or divested and exited out. And that shift in the people, um, I think, has even a bigger influence on the culture and tied to the people um, is how we interact with each other and how we work. So, you know, physical location, yes, definitely a player, but we can uproot ourselves. I'm in Midtown New York right now, right by Rockefeller Center. We can uproot ourselves to the financial district and have a completely different office experience. And that would impact our culture because some people wouldn't, that would make my commute double. I I don't know if I'd be in the office as much. (laughs) I would definitely be using more flex time. Yep, absolutely. That's right. That's right. And so, and then that may have a ripple effect. Courtney's not here. That could be a great thing. Maybe not. Who knows? Um, So the people and how they engage, you know, also play a role and, you know, are people, you know, taking the time to get to know each other? Uh, Are there team events? How do we work together? Do we hold each other accountable? Do we listen to each other? Do we value diversity? Um, All of that stuff to me are are the major players in culture, not so much the office location. So in in the height of the pandemic, when we were all in our respective offices, dining room, wherever, whatever hole in our house we found that was quiet and had good internet. Um, When we were there, uh, you know, the focus around, and I know a lot of leaders did this, um, spending that extra time doing team events virtually, more one-on-ones, reaching out, looking at um, using some technology and collaboration tools to get things done. And, And that didn't take into account an office space. It right. just took into account the people and, and how those people engage with each other. I love it. Thank you so much, Courtney. This has been wonderful. And again, we we just started to peel the onion. We got plenty plenty more to go. But thank you so much for carving out time. It's my pleasure, William. Thank you. And happy to continue the conversation at another time. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live Podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at Recruiting.